We're here for another Wednesday. It's June 21st, the longest day of the year. So we're going to spend, since we got more time today, we're going to, we're going to be here for a while. Now, uh, we're in Deuteronomy 22 now, and last week we did not do that because we did something different, but now we're back to what we were doing before, and we got some of our normal people back this week, um, but we're missing some. So, Deuteronomy 21 through 25 is just a whole bunch of of information that is instructing the people what to do. This is the law of this, and then this is the law of that, and all of these chapters are based on these laws that the people of Israel were supposed to do, especially because they were going into a land that was very vile. It was uh, a lot of pagan worship that it was very troubling. And as you go through the Bible and you see where people did sinful things in the land, it defiled the land itself. And so they're going into this area that is a very defiled area and they are to stay away from all those things so that the land can be healed and they can go in and possess it and, and be fruitful. So that's, what, that's what's going on. A lot of what you're going to see here, if you've read through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, you know, it's, a lot of it repeats some things that were talked about before. But we're not going to spend time jumping back to those places. We're just going to go through this and try to just tackle all, all of these different laws. Um, I'm going to go through it verse by verse where you could go in and take certain verses out of 22 and certain verses out of 23, 24, and you could group them together to get one subject taken care of. But that's not the way it's written out. And so we're just going to... So if it sounds like we're going back over something that we've already talked about, it's probably because we are. And uh, we'll, we'll just try to keep moving on. So I don't know how far we're going to get, but I would kind of like to go through these things rather quickly. Uh, if you have a question, feel free to ask. Some of these things in here are very difficult for us to understand for sure what it means. Some of the things, I think I might know what it means, but I don't even know if I want to talk about it. You know, it's just, and, and do we really need to? It's kind of iffy. It, some of the commentaries I look at, they won't even address it, or they have differing views on what it could be. Some are very vague because it's just a tough portion of Scripture that it's hard for us to figure out exactly. Okay, so, uh, so 22. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. Now when it says brother, this means neighbor. 
you, some, your own people. And at this time, it's only the Israelites would call each other brothers or brethren, neighbors. Those who are on the outside, they weren't really included, but in the future, they will be. You know, when you get over in the New Testament, your neighbor is anybody. But back in this time, when he says your brother, he's talking about people within your nation, and that would be your neighbor with, what is, with those people that were in your nation, especially the people in your own community. So it's going to cut some time out of your day if you see these animals walking through. And I can remember being a kid, and uh, the neighbor's cow would bust through the fence somewhere and be in the garden, and we, you know, run down, and we would try to find where it busted through, and we would try to get it back through, or get on the phone, or run over to the neighbors and try to figure out whose cows it was. And uh, so it's just something they were instructed to do. Don't shy away from it and let them keep going, but take some responsibility because what if your livestock runs away? You would want the same thing. So this is basically. You know, treat your neighbor as you want to be treated. And if thy, this is verse 2 of 22, if, and if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if thou know him not, so that shows you right there, it's not just his actual blood relative brother. So if you don't even know this neighbor, if you don't even, if you, I don't know where these things came from. Then thou shalt bring it unto thine own house, and it shall be with thee, until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. So, keep it safe, put it in your pen, in your fenced-in area, and then if somebody's missing it, they'll come looking for it. You've got to realize, especially back then, your livestock meant everything to you. If you lost uh, your livestock, you, you might have lost the very animal that you used to plow the fields, that you made a living with. So somebody's going to come looking for it and be ready to show them where it is. In like manner thou sh shalt thou do this with his ass or donkey, and so shalt thou do this with his raiment and with all lost thing of thy brothers which he hath lost and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise, thou mayest not hide thyself. So it, he, they take it on beyond just livestock, but pretty much anything that you find that your neighbor has lost, take care of it so you can get it back to them. Uh, it's not finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That's not in the Bible. Four, thou shalt not see thy brother's uh, ass or donkey or his ox fall down by the way and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. And today, that would be, you see somebody has broken down, and you, you know, most of us today, we look the other way, pretend like we didn't see it. Uh, but I, I remember as a kid, um, being with my dad, and if we saw somebody broke down, he was stopping. If, we, if he saw somebody carrying a gas can, we had to make room for him. And we pick them up and get them to where they needed to go. I just remember uh, that very well. Five, 
the woman shall not wear. All right, here. All right, now, notice that how it, we're talking about one thing, and then all of a sudden, it's just totally on a, to, a different topic. And then it'll be right back off that and on to something else. So you've got to really pay attention. But this is a very, very important verse you need to pay attention to. It says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, why does that even need to be in the Bible? Why would any man dress up like a woman, right? So why does this even need to be in here? Wow. <clears throat> it, what's that? So we have got in our Bibles, it says that it is an abomination unto the Lord thy God to do those things. So if you see those things happening in your community, watch out. Things have gotten really, really bad. Now we're off that little subject that has actually become a very big subject in this country right now. Uh, verse 6, now we're talking about little birdies sitting on the nest. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, and the dam, or this is the mama bird, Sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam or the, young, or the mother with the young. So basically, let's, let's just say you walk up on a duck and it's sitting on eggs. If you, you know, the duck would be really good eating. And you've got to remember, back then, they didn't go to the grocery store. And to find something like that would be like, yeah. So they're instructed right here, but thou shalt, well, thou shalt not take the, the mama with the young, okay? But thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee that it may be well with thee and that thou may pro, mayest prolong thy days. Notice how when you do, do things righteously, it will prolong your days on the earth. It sounds like a lot of what you get out of Proverbs. You, you hear, when you hear this, or uh, the land, don't, it won't defile your land if you do things that are right compared to doing things that are wrong. In, in Proverbs, when you get to chapter 10, all the way, I don't know how far it would go, but I know it goes through 14, and you, you, it's about doing righteous things and non-righteous things. Being, being wise as far as wanting to do what's right and then doing what's wrong. And y'all you, you, you know, have read through, through Proverbs not that long ago. Most of y'all have read, read through it. And um, you'll see a verse that's that very positive and then the very next one would be very negative. Or in the same verse, you'll see a positive statement and then a negative. Um, like Proverbs 14.34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 
<clears throat> we got a council meeting coming up, not that long. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where no counsel is, the people fall. That's the negative part. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There's the positive part. Proverbs 14, 30, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. It's just some things that I had wrote down um, studying some other stuff. But that, that one, righteousness exalteth the nation, that's really for this. I wrote that down because of when I got to the end of 25, I wrote that down. Prolong thy days. And I remember reading in, in the Proverbs, I remember reading prolong your days. Uh, just recently with the Matthew 15 sermon that I did, uh, talking about honoring father and mother. Well, that is the commandment that has that promise that you will prolong your days on the earth. When thou buildest a new house, now so now we're off of the birds, okay, so you understand that women should dress like women and men should dress like men? You got that part, okay. The next part is the birds. So when y'all are out walking, when you see a bird sitting on the nest, all right, you, so I was talking about the duck. It could be sitting on eggs. Well, that's some really good eating. Those eggs are really good eating. So if you're really hungry and you want those eggs, take the eggs and you'll be okay. Now, the duck might throw a fit, but don't kill the duck because she can have more eggs. All right. Okay, so now we're talking about, all right, you, you build a house. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement. So just think of a wall or railing for thy roof that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Now, this is not in the process of building the house. It's that when you've got the house built, that is a living area for the people that, that lived back in that day. So the Jewish nation, when you were in Israel, the houses had flat roofs, and that's where people hung out. That was their outdoor space. Think about the, all the animals that walked down the street. Think about how they had to all build close together, maybe even have a walled city to keep the enemy out. And they didn't have the luxury of, I'm going to live way over there on that hill, and then I'm going to live way over here, get a nice view. You'd be just very vulnerable in those places. So they had these flat roof houses, and, and that was their places to hang out as a family. If you didn't have that around, and you're up there playing, let's say you're playing Frisbee, and you're running after it, ah, and you go right off the edge. So you needed something to stop you, because you have little ones who aren't the brightest. That's, oh, when I'm at the, when you go to the beach, we were talking about beach earlier, and you go on those really high decks on the back of a beach house, and then they build in the seats. I hate that. Like, it should be, how could that be code where you could build, build in a seat and the little toddler climbs up on the seat and then they're right up, the railing's right here, they can fall right over. I, when I see that, I just want to go get my hammer and start taking it apart. 
<clears throat> 9. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with divers seed or different seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. All right, this, all, what, we're, what we're into now, these little verses here, you, so the next one says, Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. So you got this little donkey and this huge ox, and that's all you have, and the load is it's just too hard for the ox, so you're going to give them some help. You're not supposed to do that. And then it says, Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, or different, different sorts, as of woolen and linen together. So, none of this is bad, right? None of this is all that bad. You know, we mix up different seeds to throw out for maybe a, a game plot for wildlife. And you got all these different seeds mixed together. Well, this is saying don't do that. So when I take a bag of seed that's got different types of clover, maybe some alfalfa, am I being terrible and disobeying the Word of God? Well, if you're the religious type, legalistic type, you say, shame on you. How dare you do that? And most of our clothes are mixed materials. Oh, we're, we, we need to read our Bibles. We're really sinning bad. Um, but... All right, so all of this is basically showing them the law of separation. You do not commingle with the others. All right, today it's very, very different. We can commingle because was it Romans ten twelve that I quoted? Uh, there's neither Jew nor Greek, but anybody who calls on the name of the Lord, he's rich in mercy to anybody. But that's what they're talking. So, uh, uh, being unequally yoked. That ox and the donkey together, that would be unequally yoked. They would, they, for, well, for one, the ox is a clean animal, the donkey's not. So, we don't, we're not that concerned about that today compared to back then. Now, we've got to be really careful by which ones we can say this isn't for today because most of these are very much, or the principle behind it is very much for today. You, you don't want people that you absolutely know are atheists, they, they don't think that Jesus is the Son of God, and they want to come and fellowship with us and be a part of our church. we got to be really careful about that. We are supposed to, if you call yourself a Christian, a brother or sister in Christ, and you're coming and you're fellowshipping in the church, and you're living a very sinful life. We have to be very careful because, uh, and we've heard it before, well, you let so-and-so come to that church all the time, and they say they're saved, and, they're, and I see what they do all week long. So it's corruption. You're allowing corruption to be in with what's supposed to be pure. So we got to be careful with that. So we, we, we don't want to tell people you got to be perfect to come here. But that's, that's too far. None of us would be able to be, be here. No, there's not one person that comes to this church that's pure enough to be able to come into a holy place. 
But if someone is outright doing very sinful things, they need to be convicted of that and to change and not defile holy ground. And you know, you got the clean and the unclean animal right there. Under the new covenant, that donkey wouldn't be considered unclean anymore, even though they're still very, very different. They still wouldn't make a good team in, in doing the work. It still would be unequally yoked. So we tell, you, know, you would tell your, your young person, if they're looking for a mate, they want to get married and start a life together, if you're a born-again child of God and you go out and you're looking for a mate, you, you just won't settle for anybody. You want them to be like-minded and you want them to have a belief in Jesus as their Savior as well. That's what you would want. You wouldn't want to be unequally yoked in that marriage. It wouldn't be good. So there are all kinds of things today that this still makes sense for. And then 12 says, Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. Anybody doing that? None of us are worried about that today. And if you can come up with something that it represents that we should be doing, you can let me know. <clears throat> What's that? That's like your outer garment, your coat, right? I'm pretty sure that's what that would be. It's what, you know, the last layer that you'd be wearing as you're walking around, and that's what people would see. And uh, they would uh, do the fringes on that piece of clothing. Okay, all right, let's move on. 13. If any man take a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give occasion... Now, we, we've mentioned something similar to this before and give occasions of speech against her, and bring up an evil name upon her, and say, I took this woman, and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hateth her, and lo, he hath given occasion of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. So, now it was, in today's society, we have messed up purity, before marriage. We've messed it up so bad as a nation. What used to be shameful is now openly shown and discussed, and there's no shame in it anymore. But remember, these people are God's chosen people, and marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. You have to be totally cleansed of your sin to be able to be with him, to be the bride of Christ. A young girl was to keep herself very pure, and she was to be a virgin when she was given to a man for marriage. That's just the way it was supposed to be. 
All right, so she needed to protect herself, so there was a cloth that she had that she would lay in the bed on the night of the consummation of the marriage. If she was in fact a virgin, there would be some spotting on that cloth, and she would keep that. And if the husband accused her of not being a virgin, then she had this proof that she had taken to her mother and father. And then they would be able to take that to the elders, and then she would be exonerated of the charge of not being a maid or a virgin, and he would be dealt with. Uh, now, if she, <laughs> you know, if she couldn't prove that she... If it was otherwise, or it, it became known that she had actually not been pure, then she would have to die. So we'll read about that as we go. All right, uh, where was I at? 18. And the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him, and they shall immerse him. Now, A means opposite. So instead of being immersed, you know, you're, you, you're, you get all this, it's being taken from you is the way I read this. And they shall immerse him in an hundred shekels of silver and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin in Israel, and she shall be his wife. He may not put her away all his days. Now you would think after this whole ordeal that she wouldn't want anything to do with him, and you would part ways, but they've already consummated the marriage. And he is now forced to be married to her and not allowed to ever give her a bill of divorcement. He has to take care of the rest of her life. Different times. <laughs> Way different times. But if this thing be true, and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel... Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house. Why? Because she was under the care of her father, and this happened while she was there. So they would take her to the front of the house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because, because she hath wrought folly in Israel. Now, you, if you wonder why there's so much folly in America... It's because we don't hold these things dear to us anymore. There is sexual perversion everywhere in this country, and when that happens and is not dealt with, then there's folly in the land. Bad things will happen. Okay, uh, because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house, so, so shalt thou put evil away from among you. By dealing with it, you get evil away. But when you let things go, evil's gonna, you're going to have to suffer the consequences of your actions or the actions of your people. So when people say, hey, hey, don't, be, don't worry about me. You know, if I want to go do this, if I want to do this sin, that sin, it's, that's on me. Don't worry about it. You stay out of my business. Well, you need to know the Word of God to where you can say, no, your sin affects way more than just you. And, and, I, and I've told the guys at the jail, uh, this was years ago, not any time recently really, but 
uh, I, I just remember going through the story of Joshua. We were, we were working through the beginning of Joshua, and we got to the point where uh, we were talking about Achan taking the forbidden, forbidden thing out of Jericho. And he hid it. It was only one person that sinned in all the nation of Israel in that story. And I was sharing that story to those guys, a bunch of guys in there, and I said, you know, he, he is the only one that sinned. But when they went to the little city of Ai, they got whipped. People died in that battle, and no one should have died in that battle. It should have been an easy battle for them. But come to find out, there was one person who sinned back at Jericho, and it affected everybody. And then how he finally was judged, he finally came forward, and they killed his wives, his children. And, and so I looked at them, and I said, you know, you, you've done bad things, and you may think that it only affected you, but look at all the people that love you or depend on you that you've let down and now you're locked up, and you can't do, help them. And, um, you know, so sin affects many others. And when you look at the Bible, you will see that sin, even if it's just one person, if it's not dealt with, it can infect the land with bad things. So we, you know, that's, the, that's one thing that we really need to be, when it comes to, uh, soul winning, when you're witnessing, you, you notice that certain people will say, when they're trying to explain witnessing, we need to get out, and people need to, they'll say, people need to repent of their sins. And what, what those people mean by that, because, and you've heard me explain this, but just for the sake of people that could be listening to this, what those people mean is, it is so important that we make sure that people we witness to understand the depravity of their sin. We need to make sure that when you're witnessing to somebody, you don't tell them to repent of their sins. You want to get them to the point, you don't even have to say it, but you want to make sure they understand that they are a sinner. They have to understand they need salvation from something. And we miss that. It's one of the most important parts of true soul winning. So what you have is you will go out and just share just the good news, but they're never convicted. And there's actually people who have grown up in church that think that they're good. Oh, I've been in church my whole life. And they don't understand how dirty, rotten the sin is that's in their life. And they don't think they need to be saved from that. But then they'll say, well, I, I want to trust in Christ and I want to be a Christian. But they've missed a very important part of it. They've missed the fact that if, if they don't allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse them, then they're still in their sins. That's, it's... it's so, when the person says they need to repent of their sin, they, and I think I've explained it to where we don't go tell people, get cleaned up to come to church to get saved. That is totally wrong. But a person needs to understand that their sin is death. And they're going to die and live in hell for eternity. 
unless they understand that they can't fix that themselves and that only Jesus can help them in that. Notice when Jesus shows up in John 4 at the well. The famous story of Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. He goes to her. She's doing what she does every day. She didn't go looking for him. He knew that she needed him. He goes out of his way to go to that spot. Jesus does that for each and every one of us. He always comes to us, and then the first thing that he does is he shows that he cares about her and is not ashamed to be associated with her. Now, she's puzzled by that. She realizes he is a Jew. She's a Samaritan, which is even worse than just a, just a straight-up Gentile. Because she's a mixed breed. She's partially Jew and partially Gentile, so they're extra hated. Extra weird. Why would Jesus... Because he wasn't supposed to talk to her. She was ignoring him like she's supposed to. And he asked her for... a. And he, in the way he talks to her, he asks for something, but then turns around and says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink. Then he exposes in the perfect way her sinful life. He didn't say right off the bat, all right, you know what, you have, you, you've done this, 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 and this, you're just dirty rotten. Oh, it's terrible. He says, go get your husband and then we'll talk about this. And she's like, well... And then he tells her, yeah, you're right. You said right. You don't have a husband, but you've had, you know, how many before, all, five before and all this. And she's like, and then she starts to realize, I'm a very sinful person. And there's a reason that I'm here by myself in the hot part of the day, and I don't want to be around anybody else because I'm ashamed of my life. She thought that up on her own by what he exposed to her. So at the moment she realized she was a sinner, and she was open for that water that she would never thirst again. And then she was ready to go back into the city and to tell everybody about Jesus. And she brought them to him. <clears throat> so we would never tell somebody, stop all your sinning so you can come be a Christian. We, we tell them, come as you are, because you're not going to be able to do it anyway. So come as you are, but understand why you're coming and why you're depending on Jesus. Why you need Him. Why, he's your, why, why is Jesus your only hope? And do you believe that He's your only hope? Because if you don't believe that and you think there's other ways for salvation, you, you're not going to get saved. There are so many people over time that have come and made a profession of faith. They've They've just repeated a sinner's prayer. They've just, all right, what do I do? I do this, okay, I've done that, I did this, I did this, and if I check all these boxes, then does that mean I'm saved? Where do I sign? Do I need to sign it? Do I put the date down? And it's not about that. It's not about checking all those boxes. It's just real simple, do you believe? Do you understand you are a lost sinner? Required, you must understand that you are a lost sinner and you need Jesus, do you accept Him? 
and then you can be saved. It's real simple. But it's hard for people to find that. It's a very narrow gate. Not hard to get through it, but you've got to go through one at a time. You can't say, well, my family is always, we're a church family, and your whole family is not fitting through that door at the same time. You personally must go through that narrow gate. It's between you and Jesus. You can't say, well, I belong to this church. That whole church isn't going through that door. Each individual person must go through. All right, so we don't... We, we, we want to make sure that we, it's, it's, we have fallen so far away as a society that when you speak the Word of God, it's watch out. So all of a sudden, you're the bad person if you hold fast or hold on tight to the Word of God. We have let this country get so out of sorts, that now what's right seems to be what's bad. And we got to be ready to um, stand on the Word and not be ashamed of the Gospel. All right, was that 22? Yeah. So shalt thou put, away, put, thou put evil away from among you. So she had to die, that woman. If she was found to be not pure when she went into the marriage, then she would be stoned to death. 22, if a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. Notice, you're, putting away, you're, you're keeping evil away by taking care of these terrible sins. If a damsel that is a virgin, be betrothed unto an husband. All right, so the first situation, it's a woman who's fully married to the man. Now, this situation, this woman is betrothed, like an engagement period is, has been going on, unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then, then ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. Now, that makes you think of John chapter 8, where the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And all of those Pharisees, they, they got a hold of her, caught in the very act, got a hold of her, brought her to Jesus, and they talked about this right here. In the law of Moses, it says that she should be stoned. What say you? And he's like, he, he knew what they were up to. They were trying to get him in a tough spot. Well, according to this, the man should have been right there with her. Where was he? Well, he was probably part of the setup. And they just wanted to find this woman who probably had some dirt on every one of them. And it'd be nice just to get rid of her so she won't spill the beans and talk about all the bad things we've done with her. Might have been the situation. So they can get rid of Jesus and her at the same time. Makes me think of this right here. 
or this makes me think of that. So they bring her, and then Jesus, so wise, though, you know, the one who has no sin, throw the first stone. And then one by one, they all took off. One by one, they would drop their rock and go on out to where there was no one left to accuse her. And without two witnesses, two to three witnesses, you can't condemn them. So she was set free. So the law that they were trying to use, Jesus turned it around and used the very law to free her and taught us a very important lesson. Now, something to think about. That is one of the most amazing stories in the Gospels. John 8. It actually starts with the last verse of chapter 7, and then it's probably the first 13 verses of chapter 8. And a lot of new versions of the Bible will eliminate that whole story, or... Most of them, put, they're, they're too scared to, to take it out, physically take it out. So what they do is in the notes, they will say from verses 7, whatever the last verse is, 39 is on my head for some reason, I don't know if that's right, but the last verse of chapter 7, and then through this many verses of chapter 8, isn't in the best manuscripts, or the oldest and best blah, 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 and they kind of make you think that this really isn't part of the Word of God, but we're, we're too scared to actually take it out. But then again, we wished it wasn't there, so we're going to put this note in here so that you'll wonder if it's really supposed to be the Word of God or not. So when you're reading that story, if you're reading it in a newer version of the Bible, look for that. But it's confusion. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, now the first, this one right before, they were in the city. And if she cried not, she would die. But if she cried in the city, then she wouldn't die. Okay? See the difference? All right now in a field, it don't matter whether she cried or not because nobody's there to know if she did. And if she did cry, nobody was going to hear so if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and the betrothed, damsel cried, and there was none to save her. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her, and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife, because he hath humbled her, he may not put her away all, all his days." A man shall not take his father's wife, nor discover, discover his father's skirt. Now, you know, this, this is talking about, because, you know, a, a, it was Reuben, wasn't it Reuben, who, who uh, took his father's wife, but it was not his mother. You understand that? Even the story in Corinthians, where there was a man in the church, that had relations with his father's wife. It wasn't his mother, but 
it's still considered incest in, in the Bible, and it was a horrible, horrible thing to do. But Reuben did that. That's why, that's why he lost his birthright. In this time period, men would have multiple wives. So that meant that a son born to this wife may have many what we would call stepmothers in that, that time period when they were growing up. Or, or this man was married when he was very young, and then this son has been around for 20 years before he marries another wife later and has a brand new little baby with that wife. And there could be huge age differences in the children. And they would be stepbrothers and sisters because there was different mothers involved. So this father could be marrying a woman that's really close to the age of his oldest son from a other marriage. <clears throat> and that's what uh, was happening. And they were instructed not to do that. Now, we would never, in, in today's society, we would never go along with 29. We would not make a woman who is raped marry the person who raped her. We would not do that. But in this, in this situation back then, she, she, because the Bible says she was humbled, she would not be suitable for any other man. No other man would take her. That's not the case today. Now, and we are in the New Covenant. We're under the New Testament, and we have forgiveness, and we forgive people for things, and we don't hold these things against somebody like they would have back then. Uh, now, remember, we just talked about that prodigal son a couple weeks ago? So you have the, the contrast between the prodigal son under the law compared to the prodigal son in Luke. New Testament, it's way different. The prodigal son in the Old Testament that we read about a couple weeks ago, which was at the end of 21, he was brought to the city gate and the elders uh, made a judgment on it and everybody stoned him to death. Well, the prodigal son in the New Testament, he was received by his father and forgiven. So we've got to remember that. <clears throat> All right, well, we've, I thought we were going to get through at least two chapters tonight. I thought we were, but that didn't work out. But 22 is pretty long, so it's not too bad. So we're going to be done, and we'll continue on with this next week. I know it's some kind of hard stuff to go over, and, you know, thank goodness a lot of this stuff we don't, we don't even have to worry about, but there's a lot of it that we really need to pay attention to and understand the, uh, how bad sin is and how it will destroy your land. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, help us as we go through this uh, this section of Deuteronomy, help us to understand it, help us to rightly divide the Word of God, and Father, to just know how to apply these things to our lives today. Help us to understand it, to see the deep meaning of it, and I just pray that this will help us to be 
better workers for you, Lord. Father, we do all of this to go out into this hurting world to minister to those who need to know you. And Father, I ask that you to bless the people who came out tonight and that are just hungry for your word, that you would give them a special blessing. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.